0: toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. So those of us who are followers of Jesus can consider ourselves to have dual citizenship. So we we know we're born into a nation state as a citizen of a nation, and, and sometimes some people along the way change their citizenship from one of those nations to another, that we could consider Uh, to be our, our earthly kingdom. But when we are reborn, so we're born into one kingdom, when we are reborn into God's kingdom, when we come into relationship with Christ, we become a citizen of God's kingdom. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. I you mean, know, all of that really kind of underscores the the idea that when we come to relationship with God through Christ, it is much more than just a change of a belief system. There, there's a radical, fundamental, foundational change that happens in us. We are reborn. We are made new, and so and we are transferred from from one kingdom to another. But we are still citizens of our earthly kingdom. And now we're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Sometimes the values of those two kingdoms clash, and so, uh, so, and then we have to choose which, which value system are we going to follow. I had a fun conversation this week with someone that some of you will remember, Fernando Gonzalez. Uh, Fernando and his wife Kim moved down to to uh, South Carolina here not too long ago. No, Virginia. Anyway, they moved south and uh, we loved having them while they were here. But so Fernando is from Brazil. And Fernando was, is, was a citizen of Brazil. And then as he married Kim, he became a citizen of the United States. So he has dual citizenship. So I was asking him about what that, what that experience is like this week. And, and he said something really interesting. He said, You know, his foundation, and and that shirt is really awesome, isn't it, like he he had that shirt made, so it's like his roots are in Brazil, but now his his tree is flourishing as, as an American. And he had this interesting experience, he said, when he recently traveled back to Brazil for three weeks, where he actually became homesick to get back to, to the United States. And the example that he gave, and, and I'm sure there are many, but the, that's one example of a clash of, of values is that as he was in Brazil, he realized how different hospitality is in Brazil. And in a lot of ways, really, really good. So he grew up with this experience of, you know, if if you're family you know you're you're going through your day and you're into your evening and your family just shows up unexpectedly or even friends neighbors show up unexpectedly you drop whatever you're doing and a party starts I mean, that's just the way it is. Like, you start bringing out the food. Uh-oh, we don't have enough food for all these people. We need to run, you know, somebody slip out to the store and buy some more food. I mean, it just, and it upends all of your plans for, for that evening. Now, he grew up with that, and he was like, I love that. And then he came to the United States, and he's like, man, you guys are, like, so uptight. Like, you know, I mean, you gotta, like, loosen up a little bit. But he said when he went back to Brazil, what he realized was that there there was not a respect for other people's time. And so there are times where it's, you know, we are too uptight. There are times where we just need to kind of loosen up. But he said, there are also times where like in an evening, you you may need to get to bed early. Maybe you're not feeling well. Maybe you have like a lot to do at work. You have to get up early for work tomorrow. So you need to get a good night's sleep and those people all show up, like you're not allowed. It, it's not okay to say, you know what? Love to have you guys here, but can you leave by this time? I mean, they just, they leave when they're ready to leave. you know. And you entertain them until they're done. And so he said, he he realized like there's this difference in values. There's this difference in, in cultures. And when there is a clash in cultures, you kind of have to decide well, how am I gonna live with that? Which of those am I gonna choose? And, and the thing that Fernando said was, he made this comment I thought was so good. He said, I'm different now because of my new citizenship. And, and I thought, and it's not that he's given up all of the things that are good about his Brazilian citizenship, but I thought, what a great statement for those of us who become citizens of God's kingdom. We should be different because we are now citizens of a new kingdom. And sometimes the values of our earthly kingdom and our heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God. Sometimes they clash and, and, over, and sometimes over things that are much more significant than, than hospitality. What happens when our earthly kingdom, our, our kingdom, our human governments pass laws that contradict scripture? What happens when our human government leaders have character that we look at and we say, wow, this does not line up with what God calls leaders to be and I really can't follow this person. How how do we navigate having a dual citizenship between an earthly kingdom and the kingdom of God? That's what we're gonna talk about this morning you would take a Bible and we're gonna turn to Romans chapter 13. We are moving into a new chapter here. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, please grab one there on the seat close to you. Romans 13 is on page 1050. If you're joining us online, welcome. Glad that you are with us. Please grab uh, your device or a Bible and turn to Romans 13. We're doing this study through Romans and we've come now to the the final season in, in Romans where we're talking about living a transformed life in the midst of a world that is really moving away from God and his values. How do we live, how do followers of Christ live a transformed life in the midst of a culture that's going in a different direction. So we're gonna talk about three concepts here this morning. These are three pretty big concepts. So we're gonna do the best we can in the time we have, but we're gonna talk about the importance of obeying our human government. When is it necessary to disobey our human government? And then what should be our general attitude towards our government leaders? All right, And I'll just give you the outline for for this morning. That'll kind of help you know where we're going. And it's simply this. In general, obey. When you must, disobey. And all the time, pray. All right, we're gonna unpack each one of those here this morning. In general, we start with obey. Paul begins here in Romans 13 with a very clear call to obey our human authorities. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. Let's pause there for for just a second. And I just wanna say, sometimes, maybe you're like me, sometimes I just kinda wish that I could open up a live chat with Paul. You know, if you could just like live chat here. Paul, I've got some questions for you. Because like that's how I feel when I read this. I want to just kind of direct message Paul and say, okay, Paul, this all sounds really good as long as your, your rulers are really kind of good good people. But but Paul, we've we've had some doozies, you know, in, in our time. Let me just throw out, I mean, one name. I don't have to throw out one name, Hitler. Okay, Paul Hitler, really. Like, how does that fit here? How do dictators fit into this scheme. You're telling me we're just supposed to say, hey, God put them in charge, so we're, we're just supposed to submit. I mean, sorry, Paul. Paul, I realize that these people came after you, but I just have to say, Paul, this just negates your argument, so I'm just gonna say there's just gotta be times when we're gonna disobey our governments. Well, unfortunately, we can't live chat with Paul, we can live chat with God, that, that's good. But let me, let me give you something else here. We, we can talk about a really vital point of Bible interpretation here, and, it, and it's this, this morning. Before you and I jump to, what does a scripture say to me personally? We need to understand what did it say to the original audience? Okay, so we always, sometimes we do this, we, we jump with Psalms, we jump with you know lots of scriptures and we just say, what does this mean for me? Scripture is all for us personally, but we, in order to understand what God's saying to us personally, we have to understand what he was saying to the original audience. So what we should understand about the original audience that Paul is writing to, he's writing to first century Rome, which was not like a perfect utopia, okay? It was not cloud cuckoo land, where everything is bright and sunny and perfect and everybody is happy all all the time. Paul was writing this under Emperor Nero, okay? So at the time when he's writing this, Nero hadn't gotten as bad as he was going to get, but within a few years, Nero was gonna be persecuting the Christians specifically, accusing them. the the, the, the um, it, It's not for sure, but the, the suspicion is that Nero himself set a fire in Rome that burned most of the city because he wanted to reconstruct it the way he wanted it to be. And so he blamed that, whether he said it or not, where, wherever it came from, he accused Christians of setting that fire and then he set into a huge persecution of them, which included him, tying Christians to stakes, spreading them with tar, and burning them as, as torches, okay? This is who Paul is writing under, okay? Paul Paul's not in even a democracy like we have, like people are not like writing to their representatives and, you know, doing protests. I mean, Paul is writing under Nero, and with that backdrop, Paul is issuing an unqualified call to submit to a godless government. Christians, he's calling them to adopt a posture of respect and subordination, which is really hard if your leader is evil. But don't don't miss a point that goes along with our submission that Paul makes here and that is that every one of these human authorities is under God's authority okay so so don't miss that in in verse 2 he says whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed verse 4 he is God's servant Okay, and it goes on to say, for your good. And we realize it doesn't always work out that way. But I would also um, in, recall the, some some words from the book of Daniel, and we'll talk about Daniel in a couple of minutes here. In Daniel, there's like these two really powerful words in verse two that heaven reigns and and the recognition that God raises up kings and takes down kings. See, the... Evil rulers, rule. any rulers, may not realize that they have been put into place by God. Nero probably didn't think about that. Pilate did not think about that. And yet we see Pilate saying to Jesus, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus knew where authority comes from. He said, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. So authority comes from God. It is intended to be used for good. So so verse four, reading on in verse four, Well, starting in verse four, he is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, there it is again, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So human government is intended to carry out good and and keep evil in check, and we this ties back to something that we talked about last week, when we were talking about not taking revenge into our own hands. Remember that, that what we talked about revenge last week and this word avenger are connected. So we are not to avenge ourselves, we're to leave that to God and one of the ways that God takes care of putting wrongs right is to put governments in place. That's one of the primary reasons God has established civil authorities is to bring justice. Now, we know that it doesn't always work that way. But just because a government does wrong does not give a pass for Christ followers to do wrong. So when a government does wrong, when we have evil people in power, we want to see God deal with that, right? We, we want to see God make that right because it's making life miserable for a lot of other people, As we see the record of Scripture, we don't always see God do that in our lifetime, but we know at the end of the story that there is a final judgment where that will get set right. And somehow God is working and orchestrating all of the events that he allows for for good. Finishing out today's text. And this, this is a tough one, right? This is not easy, and I can't give you easy answers to all of this. But verse 5 says, therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. So if you were hoping that because you are now a dual citizen, you're a citizen of God's kingdom, that, well, now I don't have to pay my taxes to my earthly kingdom anymore. Paul Paul says, no, you still gotta pay your taxes. Verse seven, pay to all what is owed to them taxes, to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. The word taxes here is, is interesting. It's, it, it's actually the idea of a tribute. It is being paid by a citizen of one country to the citizen of another country. And it is a, a picture of subjection. And so if you don't love the taxes that you pay, and I'm not just talking about the amount of taxes, I'm talking about like you don't love what your taxes are going to pay for, then one way you can view it is, I'm just paying this to a foreign government. This is not even really ultimately my my kingdom. Paul's concluding statement here sounds a lot like Jesus. Paul says here, pay to all what is owed to them. And then he gives this list of examples. You may remember Jesus saying in Mark 12, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. That that word render is the exact same word as pay here in verse 7. So pay, render to all what is owed to them. And Jesus is saying that about Caesar. And this is, this is a Caesar who all of these Caesars considered themselves a god. And yet Jesus is saying, render to Caesar what is, is due to him. What, what Jesus and Paul are both teaching us is to live in your current kingdom as a citizen of God's kingdom. So live wherever you find yourself in an earthly kingdom. Live in that current kingdom as a citizen of God's kingdom. That's our primary citizenship. And so however we conduct ourselves should be first and foremost about the fact that I am a citizen of God's kingdom. So, and we obey in general, Okay. In general, we obey because God has appointed human authorities to establish order. The alternative is anarchy, and that never never works well. So when our human authorities go against God's authority, then speak up when, when you have the opportunity to do that. Daniel gives us an example of that. I'll have to go through this really fast because there, there's just so much to cover. But some of you know... Daniel, in the book of Daniel, Daniel was a young man who was exiled, taken from Judah to live in Babylon, enemy, enemy, godless nation. And so Daniel was set aside to be trained and to be grown up to be a leader in this enemy, godless nation. And as part of his training regimen, there was this Food set in front of him that if he had eaten it would have caused him to violate the dietary laws of of the Hebrew people and he said I I, I can't do that so instead of just saying I'm not going to do that and and kind of drawing a line in the sand and kind of getting all you know whatever about it he he actually asked for an exception and so it says Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. So he got permission to not have to do what he was mandated to do. And you and I are fortunate to live in a government that gives us a voice. So, so use your voice. Not everybody has that, that opportunity what we see in Romans 13 is, in general, obey. There is an exception when we must disobey. And so we're to, that is not here in Romans 13. So we're gonna go to two other passages before we end here today. And I just wanna bring up another point of Bible interpretation understanding. And that is that every passage we read has a larger context. So oftentimes, and what we've been doing a lot through the book of Romans, is we're looking at verses in the immediate context and we're, we're, under, we're seeking to understand what Paul was wanting to say. Sometimes we have to look beyond just our immediate context and look at, at, at a bigger picture, and that's what we're gonna do here to, to, to realize that Paul, Paul is making really a very categorical statement but we also see exceptions to that elsewhere in Scripture. And so I want to show you one of those. But, but here is the principle of w- when must we disobey. Well, we disobey human authorities when a human authority mandates that we disobey God. So we disobey a human authority when a human authority mandates that we must disobey God. Not when a human authority promotes disobedience to God in general. We'll we'll talk about that and clarify that in a little bit. But when they mandate that we are to disobey, then then we have that clash of kingdoms and we have to choose. Here's here's the clearest example of this is Peter and John shortly after Jesus' resurrection healed a crippled man. And so the 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 same rulers who put Jesus to death are looking at Jesus, looking at Peter and John who healed this crippled man in Jesus' name, and they're saying, we don't want you talking about Jesus anymore, okay? We just put him to death, that's all over, we want that to die out, and so we don't want you doing anything, preaching or healing in the name of Jesus, we want that name to die out, and so Acts 4 says that they, they, these religious rulers, called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Jesus had charged them, you will be my witnesses. (laughs) So they can't really very well witness without using the name of Jesus. And so they said, We're, you're, you're asking us to make a choice between obeying you as human authorities and obeying God. We have to obey God. We see this in Daniel later in the book as well. Daniel, a law was passed that said that for 30 days, everyone could pray only to the king. Daniel's like, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't do that. He prayed as usual. That's what landed him in the lion's den. You should read about that if you want to see how that, that all turned out. Daniel's friends were mandated to bow and worship an idol that was set up. They said, no, can't, can't do that. That's a great story as well. Daniel, the, the book of Daniel is so awesome in this regard. Um, and yet how God took Daniel and was raising him up to be a ruler in this godless nation. It's a pretty fascinating study. So, in general, we obey our government authorities. When we must, we disobey. We need to approach this. I need to say that we've got to approach this very, very carefully. And I'll give you a quote here from F.F. Bruce, which ties back to our obedience. He says, when Christians must say no, Their decline will be more effective if they have shown themselves ready to say yes to all of the authorized demands. So another way to say that is, like, pick. we we need to pick our battles. Because if we're just pushing back against everything all the time, they're just saying, man, these people are just irritating and, you know, just don't have any respect for, for anybody. We, we are to, in general, show respect for the government and it's only, there, there are times where we have to say no and those times should really stand out. This, this can be really complex to figure out when this is appropriate. And I, I was reading uh, about R.C. Sproul, who said this, many of you are, are familiar with him, much smarter guy than I am, but he, he was talking about the fact that at the War of Independence, in our nation. This passage, Romans 13, was was like hotly debated. People trying to figure out, should we be going to war against the British? And and R.C. Sproul said, there are still Christian scholars today who are debating that and and trying to figure that out. Now, I'm just going to say, I'm glad that you know, I'm glad for the way things turned out. So I don't I don't regret that, but it's an important question to wrestle with because we will have choices to make in the future to say what what constitutes a valid time to go against human authority. And I'll just end that with saying RC Sproul didn't resolve that and so I'm just gonna leave it alone as well. If he didn't resolve it, I'm certainly not gonna to try to resolve that, but it makes the point that we need to be very, very careful before jumping in too quickly and justifying ourselves and saying, well, this is clearly a time when we need to disobey our government. Our highest calling is to live in our current kingdom as a citizen of God's kingdom. And the choices that we make should reflect first and foremost on us as a follower of Christ. So, in general, we obey when we must disobey all the time, pray. Okay, here's another key scripture. Paul writing this in a a different letter to Timothy. He said, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. So he says, pray, pray for your kings, pray for those who are in high positions. And I wanna wanna give you a model prayer for, for this. And this is pretty long, um, so don't expect to get it all. But um, I, I, we also posted this on our blog, and this this prayer that we're going to look at, that we're going to listen to, um, was was written by Clement of Rome, who lived near the end of the first century. Clement, who was very familiar with Nero's persecution, who was very familiar with Domitian's persecution, who came after that. And it's really, pay attention as you listen to these words as he's praying to how influenced he was by Paul's passage here in Romans 13, by Jesus' words that we've looked at here today, even by Daniel, so here's, here's the prayer. Guide our steps to walk in holiness and righteousness and singleness of heart and to do those things that are good and acceptable in your sight and in the sight of our rulers. Deliver us from those who hate us wrongly. Give concord and peace to us and to all who dwell on earth as you did to our fathers when they called on you in faith and truth with holiness, while we render obedience to your almighty and most excellent name and to our earthly rulers and governors. You, O Lord and Master, have given them the power of sovereignty through your excellent and unspeakable might, that we, knowing the glory and honor which you have given them, may submit ourselves to them in nothing resisting your will. Grant them, therefore, O Lord, health, peace, concord, and stability, that they may, without failure, administer the government which you have committed to them. Are you convicted yet? Like, like, Are you praying this way for our government leaders? Okay. For you... O heavenly master, king of the ages, give to the sons of men glory and honor and power over all things that are in the earth. And then get how he ends here. May you, O Lord, direct their counsel according to what is good and acceptable in your sight, that they, administering in peace and gentleness with godliness the power which you have committed to them, may obtain your favor. Wow. Wouldn't it be cool? If we all were praying for our government leaders that way on a regular basis, that prayer is out on the blog. I encourage you to print that out and use that as I'm planning to do. I'll be honest with you. I, I have great concern for our, our future as, as a country, so I'm not downplaying any of that. There, there are things that I see in laws that are being passed and in the character of leaders in our government that just deeply concern me for our our future. So the question is, I I can't change them, but what can I do? How do I navigate all of that? Well, I, I wanna live in this kingdom as a citizen of God's kingdom. And here is what grounds me. Here here is what gives me peace in the midst of all that. And it's the Lord's Prayer that that we prayed earlier. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Reverenced be your name. You are over all. May your kingdom come. May your will be done as in heaven so on earth. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're looking forward to. And we trust God with the timing of that and how that's all going to come about. And we find rest as we wait for him. Let's pray. And then we're going to sing that song again. Father, it's, uh, it's not easy to live in a broken world. It's not easy to live under broken governments. What is easy to do is to criticize the people who are in power and many of the directions of our government. That's that's very easy to fall into. Father, may we not go along with the current of our culture, but may we live differently as we have been called to live. May we, in general, obey and cooperate with the authorities that you have put in place. When we must, Lord, may we have the courage to disobey and may we have wisdom to know the difference in those times. And then, Lord, may we pray always as an expression of our dependence and and just how, how desperate we are for you to be in control, for you to bring your kingdom. We look forward to the day when we will be under the rule of King Jesus, who will bring all justice in the earth. Lord, help us to live as you would have us live as we wait for that day, in Jesus' name.